Hello, and welcome to the Happy Hour with Teresa Greco. On the Happy Hour, you're going to have a very different experience than your traditional happy hour that you might have at a bar or restaurant. The Happy Hour is where you will learn about the principles and practices that lead to true inner happiness, which is unwavering and in abundance, and it is not dependent on you buying, earning, achieving, searching, or doing anything to be happy. A huge weight can be lifted off of your shoulders when you know there is a part of you that is always happy. You just need to make time to connect with it. On the show, I hope to motivate and inspire you to discover a part of yourself where your genius, your inner magic, and your superpowers reside. Together with my guests, we explore the latest physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual well-being practices, and together, we'll advise you on the actionable steps you can take towards a happier, more fulfilled, authentic life. As people more than any other time in history are waking up to who they really are, I have hope for a future where we are aligned with the wholeness and perfection of our being where the search for happiness is finally over as more of us are coming home to the happiness that exists within us. For we are more than just our physical body making its way through the world. Our superpower is found in our spiritual self, our inner magic, intuition, that gut feeling. That's your spirit trying to guide you towards who you really are and the life that you were meant to lead. Our essential nature is love, peace, and happiness, but the world leads us away from who we are and causes us to feel worry, fear, doubt, frustration, anger, and all the unpleasant feelings we feel day to day. So it's important that we become familiar with the very simple principles and practices that can remove the blocks that are preventing us from feeling the love, peace, and happiness that is always there within us to feel. So I hope you will join me here on the happy hour as we talk about the ways that we can nurture and connect with all aspects of ourselves, our physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual selves to keep us aligned, centered, at peace, and happy. I'm thrilled to introduce to you my first guest on the show today. She's a multi-time best-selling author, speaker, business development strategist, show host, entrepreneur, and CEO. Vicki Helm, hello and welcome to the show. Hi, I'm excited to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you for you know, inviting me to be your first guest, Teresa. I love chatting with you. Always fun. Thank you. Thank you. It's an honor to have you on. And so Vicki, I am so excited to have you share more about one of your books because you've written uh, two others since, since this one, but this one's entitled The Secret Joy of You, Awakening Your Spiritual Gifts and Inner Genius to Live a Life you love. So if you could share a little bit about this book with us, please. Oh my gosh. Um, this book grew out of uh, several conversations with a friend of mine. And, you know, I I have a total of 43 books now. And 
And she said to me, why do you keep writing about this? Why aren't you writing about this? Why do you keep writing about this? And she kind of challenged me to put on to words a spiritual book of how I view things and how I approach business and life through spirituality. And that has brought me a lot of joy and success. And so building a life you love means tapping to your into your inner genius. And in the book, I teach people how to tap into their inner genius so that they can tap into the gifts that are inside their inner genius and use those to create a life you love. And is that what the secret joy in us is? It's us tapping into those gifts in our inner genius? Well, I want to say tapping into joy is the joy is a state of being. It's a state of consciousness. So most people don't spend the day in a state of joy 100% of the time. And I'm going to be honest, not me either. There are sometimes I'm not in a state of joy. I'm in a state of hurry or urgency or anger or something. And when you're actually being you and you're working through being you in your beingness, with ease, your natural state is joy. It's a state of consciousness. So we get to choose consciousness. So I want to give you an example, if, if I can, that my teacher shared with me. And I love it so much because it allows me to have more control of my day. And we see emotions as part of us. We're happy, mad, sad, or afraid. And under those, you could be joyful, you know, anxious, uh, frustrated, and they're different words for happy, mad, sad, or afraid. But the four bas basics are happy, mad, sad, or afraid. And literally, they're not emotions, they're states of consciousness. And wherever you grew up in your family, you learn your family's state of consciousness. Now, if you have a very angry family and they're just fighting all the time, that's the state of consciousness they're in. If you have a very fearful family, be careful, this could happen to us, blah, blah. You learn that state of consciousness. And what happens in the human existence is that we begin to think we are an angry person. We are a fearful person. And what ends up happening is that you have to realize that the state of consciousness you are in is chosen by you. When you get to the point where you understand that you choose your state of consciousness, then you can look at all of the consciousness, states of consciousness. Now there's thousands of them. I've named four, happy, mad, sad, or afraid. But there are thousands of states of consciousness. And consciousness is like a lot of people think, like let's say we're playing cards right now, and I have seven cards in my hand. And one of them is happy, mad, sad, or afraid, frustrated, anxious. And those are the cards I'm holding in my hands because those are the only cards I think I have. And what happens is we think we are the card. We think we are the happy, mads. I am happy, mad, sad, or afraid. Not it's a state of consciousness. And 
the person holding the cards, that's you. You're holding the cards. You aren't the card. You're holding the card. So in that frame, I get up every morning and I'm like, is this the card I want to play right now? Is this the anger card? Is that the one I want to play? Really? Is it the joy card? Is that the one I want to play? So you start seeing that these cards right here is states of consciousness that you get to choose which card you want to play. And it's kind of that simple. So, you know, when you're, when your kids are just getting ready to tap on your last nerve and you think I'm going to pull my hair out and you're making me crazy or whatever it is that you're just, oh my God, I'm so frustrated, frustrated with my boss. You think that somehow so many of us think that if somebody else didn't do that, I wouldn't be happy, mad, sad, or afraid. If somebody else didn't do push my trigger, push this and that trigger. And so what happens is you don't even see that you have these cards. You think somebody else is giving you a card. So you're like, hi, I'm going to piss you off today. Here's the card. I'm going to love you. Here's the card. I'm going to, that's how people operate. They think that somebody else deals them a card. You have all the cards in your hand. You get to choose which one you want to play. And that was a key thing for me. Because in order to allow joy, you have to allow yourself to actually be able to move yourself from where you are in this lower state to your higher self. So everyone knows they have a lower state of consciousness and, and, and a higher state of consciousness. We have that dual kind of thing. And the question is, what cards do you want to play? And I have practiced playing those cards over and over again and letting me see what card I want to play. I don't care what card you're trying to throw at me. Don't care at all. If it's a love card, if it's an angry card, if it's a whatever card, I'm looking at what you're throwing on the table. And I am always going to ace you out of whatever you're doing because I will match you with love. I will match you with joy. But I'm in charge of the cards I get to lay down. And for me, that was a big learning that has helped me really shape how I interact with anyone, even if they're really mad, even if it, because I have a card in my pile where it says happy, mad, sad, afraid, curious. And if you come at me and you're really mad, I don't match you. I'm curious. Why are you mad? What did you tell yourself that pissed you off? You know, or why are you happy? I, I like that curious card. It's like having a wild card in a, in a deck of cards. But that's the short story of that. And I have to take a sip because yeah. I'm over-talking now. That was a mouthful. Mm -hmm. Vicki, would you say our original state of consciousness is love, peace, and happy happiness? That we are that originally, the true essence of who we are is that, that of the divine that of source energy, that of God, that of the universe, whatever word you want to call it, that we are created in the likeness of our creator, that that is our divine essence, our divine consciousness. And that when we connect with that, or I feel like the process of living life on earth 
discovering that you were a spiritual being first, having this human experience. That's how I live life as a spirit first in this human body in 3D form, having this amazing human experience and all of the things that being in 3D form can allow you to experience here. Um, that when you live life from that perspective, when you therefore understand that the cards are not, as you said, who you really are, and that you have a choice as to how you choose to present yourself. And it's, again, I don't even want to say like who you're being because who you really, the being part is always the love, peace and happiness, but how maybe you're expressing your human self in a situation could be where you're experiencing those different emotions. And, and I understand, I understand yeah. emotions are actually how we are understanding the vibration of energy that gets translated as an emotion. So although we call them emotions, it's actually how energy is communicated to us so that we feel mm -hmm. negative energy as either like anger or frustration or sadness or grief and all of that. We feel yeah. that vice versa, that when we're feeling high vibrational energy, like joy and, and harmony and ex excitement and all of the good feelings, that that energy is like, whoop, whoop, which we feel it, we feel it physiologically, right? We feel it in all aspects of ourselves, and how we how we interpret that communication of energy, we call it emotions. And so that it's, it's almost like the type of energy that we're putting out as well as the type of energy that we're feeling and sensing. And that's why when we're in nature, it feels so good. When we're around children, it feels so good. When we're around animals, it feels so good because they are that unconditional love and they are emitting always that high frequency energy that has the ability to raise everyone's energy too. Yeah, yeah. It's like when you see an authentic smile or you see, to me, one of the things that really gets me is when a baby has a good belly laugh. Mm -hmm. You know, when that baby has that belly laugh that, <laughs> you know, and they're just that sense, no matter where you are, no matter what mood you're in, it alters that mood. It does. For me, the human experience comes into two parts. There is the human side or the human consciousness. Now, human consciousness comes with an ego and a thinking mind, an ego and a thinking mind. So when you die, that ego and thinking mind don't follow you. What happens when you die is you are the soul. So the truth is you're the soul now. You were the soul in this human consciousness. You're a soul. The soul's stasis, the soul's just regular line is a high frequency, love, joy, and happiness. It is its beingness. Now, it gets clouded by the thinking mind and the ego. So here's your soul, thinking mind and ego. Most people believe that they are their thinking mind and ego, that's probably the primary confusion 
their inner gifts are not in their thinking mind and ego. Your thinking mind only knows what's past. It doesn't know what's future. It doesn't have any psychic gifts. It doesn't, you know, it's a thinking mind and ego. This piece of you has, it's so underrated and very undercared for. A lot of people think, well, I have a soul, not I am a soul. They think I have a soul. Who's the part of you that's saying I have a soul, not I am a soul? The I have a soul is that thinking and ego part. When you say I have a soul, you are using your mind and your ego. You're suppressing this. If you say I am a soul and I have a thinking mind and ego, then there's somebody else or something else in charge. You're in charge, actually. If you say it the other way, you're not in charge. And this victimization of not being in charge because this is in charge. And I'm not saying the mind is bad. We definitely need our mind. We're crossing the street and trying to, you know, calculate the best time so we don't get run over by a car. That's what mind is to do. Your mind is to serve this. But when we're born and we're born into this world, we learn to value knowledge and thinking over anything else. We ignore our gut feelings. We ignore our longings that are like, hey, dude, hey, dude, you really want to do this. This is what you want to do. When your mind comes on and goes, that'll never pay you. You'll be homeless. You won't make any money, blah, blah, blah. It has this, it's like this overlord over your true self. Now, the spirituality piece is, it's not about having psychic gifts. It's about unleashing, unlocking, and letting this lead you versus this lead you. And trust me, there is a bajillion times while we're here that your mind wants to argue with your soul. And you have this knowingness, this absolute knowingness. And I want to give you an example of this because talking about it doesn't mean crap. Give me a real life example. So I'm 18 years old and I'm working at a little um, taco shop in the evenings. I have my first business. I teach dance and stuff in the day. But at night, I am working at this taco place. It's called Jim Boy's Tacos. And it was in California and because uh, that's where I grew up. And one night, um, this guy is in the back of the store and I open the door to put the trash out and he puts a loaded gun at my belly. And I look down and I can see the bullets. It's like a 38 special. I can see the bullets in the chamber. So I know this guy is real. And I'm stepping back with my hands like this. I'm ste stepping back. And immediately fear comes on. And my brain doesn't know what to do. I, I want to be really clear with this. There's a point in your lifetime where people have hit it. My brain doesn't know what to do. The guy can pull the trigger. He's got it at my stomach. So if I move it away, he could shoot me here. I, I knew I'd get shot. So what ended up happening is my brain quit on me. My thinking mind quit because it didn't know what to do. And <clears throat> the guy came in and he said something like, Dale, you guess it. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? And the music was really loud because 
we're all teenagers and we're working and it's now closed. We're cleaning the restaurant so the music is really loud. I can't really hear him say, take off your glasses. So <clears throat> this is what I look like normally. I wear glasses all the time. So I remember just coming by and scooping my glasses off and my mind is still like, holy crap. But then when it quit, the second it quit, now this guy's got a gun at my stomach. The second it quit, the most incredible peace and love and joy and calm happened. I got so calm and I stepped back, I stepped back and my friend who was in there didn't know. And she was like, hey, and she turned around and she screamed and threw whatever she had in her hands there. And I felt this calm like I'd never felt before. And suddenly I heard a voice within me that wasn't my mind. And what it said was, relax, he doesn't want to hurt you. And I relaxed so incredibly. But what happened was I relaxed so much I could see right through him. And I realized he was more scared than I was. He, I don't know if this is the first time he'd ever robbed a place or not, but he was shaking. And my calmness started to calm him down. So he had us lay on our stomach and he told me to get up and empty the register. And I just walked up and I there were two registers. And I was so aware, I knew which register had the least amount of money. I popped that one open. I put the money in a bag because I, I just popped it open. Then he had me lay down on the floor and he called the person who was my manager up to unlock the safe. So the safe was in the floor. It wasn't like there was a safe on the side. It was in the floor. So she had to unlock the safe. She came out. She pulled one bag of money out and she handed it to him. And he didn't believe her. He looked at her and he said, give me all the money. And she was like, that's it. That's all we have. Because the second part was in the register that I gave him. So there was another, it was a stacked register like this. This one had lots of money. This one didn't. So I essentially got one register full and he didn't see the second register. So, um, you know, he was like, give me the bag. And he started getting agitated and he was like, I will kill you. And this voice told me what to say to him. I was on the floor and I said, why don't you go in and look? She's telling you the truth. There's no money in there. There's no money. And he looked at me and he trusted me. He literally jumped from where he was hiding to look in the safe down below and jump back. And then he was gone. But the calm, he took directions from me while he was robbing me. This is the power of your inner genius in your soul. And your mind, when it quits, is a good thing because something else can come up. Now, here's the thing that I knew. I knew that this didn't serve me at all when it was happening, but I knew there was someone and something else there protecting me, and all I had to do was listen to it. In fact, the best thing I could do was not think. Just listen and do. Listen and do. 
this is you. This is where your happiness is. This is where your joy is. This is where your conflict is. This is where your struggle is. And while you're in this human existence, you are a soul and you have a brain. You have a thinking mind, not the other way around. And I think that helps you find your inner joy. From that point on, I was like, the most fear I could ever feel to the most bliss I had ever felt in less than a minute. Wow. What an incredible story. And how did that experience, because you were 18, did you say when it happened? Yeah, I wrote about it. I'm trying to figure out which of the 43 books this story is in. I think it's in the Ultimate Freedom book. And, um, but yeah, from it's in there. And how did it change your life then going forward, having had that realization? Thank you. That you were actually the soul and not the thinking mind. And Thank you. Lend yourself to that, you know, at such a young age, right? Where we're so impressionable and we're trying to be liked by everybody and we want to do the right thing. And like, you know, if I think of myself back at that age, the, the external is so, in, so important. And that here you are recognizing that you're this, that you are this powerful essence. So how, yeah. yeah, how, what was life like after that for you? Well, you know, it was interesting that night after the police came and the reports were made and I was actually, you know, let go to go home. I didn't go home. It was a hot California night. It was the summertime. And so like at midnight or one o'clock, it could be 90 degrees, you know, because the day was 104. So um, I went to a park and I remember swinging on the swings, reviewing what happened because I was still so blissful. I couldn't figure out why I was so blissful. And I didn't sleep because I had this shot of love unlike anything I'd ever felt. But here's what I knew. I knew that that I was this spiritual being, but I knew that I had an inner master, someone that I could talk to that was talking to me. Whether you want to call it a guide or an angel, there's something different about a guide or an angel. This one was what I call the inner master. And when I listened to it, a hundred percent of the time, it leads me to the right place. And I had been introduced to this inner guide, this inner thing that was my best friend that would never abandon me, that had my truly my best interest at heart, that was always going to be there. And that the first thing I should start doing is talking to it, talking to it. And you know the difference between your mind because your mind has a negative bias. That's just the human nature of the mind. So you're going to feel happy, mad, sad, or afraid. Over here, there's joy, bliss, groundedness, creativity, potent potential, abundance. It's all there. And you're there when you're feeling it truly inside. So suddenly what happened for me was I started letting that direct me, that 
aspect of the inner master direct me. When it said go left, I went left. When it said move here, I moved here. When it said go there, and I will tell you there are times like there was a time when I wrote my very first book. It was 1996 or seven, and seven, eight, six, seven, 1996, seven or eight. I don't know. It was a long time ago. But um, uh, I was supposed to appear at my senior year of attending the Barbara Brennan School of Healing. It was my my senior year. It was the first week of my senior year. And about eight days, maybe 10 days before I was supposed to be there, this beingness told me that I was to take up my friend's offer and go to London, like go to London. And I was like, no. I have to be at school. So your mind comes on. It doesn't make sense. You're supposed to be at school. You're supposed to be here. Its job is to sabotage you. It's not to help you. It, it's low. It knows how to sabotage you. So what it does is tell you, you have a, a commitment here. You have this here, your list of to-dos. While your inner being is saying, go here, just do it. Surrendering to that piece of your inner wisdom, your inner master that is you and is a part of you and is an entity that guides you through there, that inner master, that part of you surrendering to it. When you hear the surrender thing, that's who you're surrendering to. And when you surrender to follow it, there is a saying the heart has no questions and your mind has no answers. Your heart has no questions and your mind has no answers. Knowingness is a soul trait. It is not a thinking trait. Knowingness, I know I'm supposed, I know I can feel it, I know. That comes from here. It doesn't come from here. And what we do is confuse this. The two are so confused that moving through your life becomes confusing because you don't know who's in charge and you think your thinking mind is you and you don't even recognize your soul. So for me, that following it to London landed me my first book contract. So had I not followed the direction of this piece over here, I would have screwed myself out of it following my thinking. So a portion of my success, and the reason I have 43 books out and I've built, I've built 18 companies, but only 13 of them have been successful. But those ones that have been successful all came from this part of me going, buy this business. And the ones that I use my left thinking mind, well, it looks good on paper and it looks good over here and it looks good over there. And, oh, I bought this business and it tanked. So there's a part of yourself that will achieve success for you easily if you listen to it. That that to me is, I'm trying to get this point across so everyone knows this part of you is here and this, when you read The Secret Joy of You, which is here, and it's on Amazon, you literally will learn how to do this. This is the basis of my big, the biggest part of my success. Understanding the communication of our soul, right? That we, 
that we call it, yeah, that got instinct or intuition, that mm-hmm. small little voice inside of us. But the more that we listen to that voice, the more that we practice listening to it, that yeah. voice gets louder, yeah, louder, that eventually it's the one that, as you said, you have the ability to almost like shut off the logical mind enough for you to hear it. And that part of my happiness story is that I was, uh, I grew up Catholic and that, and many religions are like this. It keeps God outside of you on purpose. Doesn't let you know that you are God in human form. That that intelligence that you said that you're tapping into is that, that if God is the ocean, we are all droplets of that same ocean here in human form. And that when we connect to that, whenever we want to and however we want to that it doesn't mean we have to get the incense going and the candles and the stones and the pillow and the i mean absolutely you can do all of those things but i now know that in any moment i can just close my eyes for me closing my eyes is just easier for me to tune into my inner being instead of my outer being and so to tune into my inner being and then listening to that guidance and that it takes practice um and commitment to do that, to be able to just be in that silence, to listen to it. And so I had basically at the very beginning of my happiness journey, I wanted to hear from God. I said, I had a stack of books on my nightstand of people that were hearing from God, seeing God. And I'm like, I want this. I want this. And I was taught to pray my entire life, Mm -hmm. speaking to God, connected my whole life as a little girl. And then I listen, I have questions because that was the low point of my life, not feeling happy, not feeling fulfilled. I have questions. I, I need help. So I had gone to a medium and I said, you know, what do I do? And she's the spirit is telling me that you need to meditate. And I'm like, I don't know what that is, because this is over yeah. 10 years ago where meditation now is such a buzzword. It's so, oh, yeah, there's yeah. tons of apps, tons of videos, tons of everything. But back then it was like weird and woo woo. Yeah. yeah. And my family thought it was part of a cult. That oh, God. Was, yeah. They're like, Teresa, what are you doing? <laughs> and it was like, so luckily there was a meditation center directly across the street from my church, actually. And I called, wow. I know, what do you do there? And I said, because I'm being told that I need to meditate. I don't know how to do that. They said, if you come, we will help you to get started. They will say that I cried every single time I went for an entire year because <laughs> the moment I connected, which was me not talking, because praying is you speaking outward. Thank you, God, and I need help, and, and please help them, and I'm grateful, and all of that. That it was just quiet yourself enough, quiet your thoughts, quiet your speaking enough for the spirit to talk to you. And you said that in your story, that when you went to the park, you're like, there's a voice inside of me that's talking to me that knows things about me that I don't know with my logical mind. And that if I tap learn to tap into it and listen to it, it will guide me towards the life that I came here to live, our happiest life. And that yeah. that's and that's it was like it was like the choir went off. It was like like that we had been waiting for you your whole life and you just didn't know how to do it. And it's exactly yeah. true. And that it's there. A lot of people get to the point where they 
their brain doesn't know what to do. That's how they meet the side. And for me, that's what happened. It's like the guy's got the gun in your head, you know, and he's scared and I'm scared. And my brain didn't have something it knew how to do, you know, because the brain likes to always take charge. Once it was out of the way, something else was allowed to take charge. That was the miracle for me. It was a miracle that that happened so that you could be there. I loved what you said about um, about the beingness or the happiness that exists in people that is just uh, innately there. And that is so true. And meditation, what I like about the idea of meditation is silence is a gateway through. And meditation the practice is to slow your mind down to build your awareness, to build that awareness so that you um, have a gateway in. When you build awareness, the beauty of building awareness is that you can start telling the difference between your mind and your. And this is the thing: most people can't tell the difference between who they actually are and their thinking. They think they're thinking. They think they're woke. You know. My teacher used to tell this story, and I I really understand it. I get it. He says, people think they're awake and aware and that they're mindful. And he says, it's like, it's like being in a parked car over a beautiful mountain. You're in the back seat with this beautiful man or woman, and you're making out, and it's all love, and you feel so present, and suddenly there might be you know, a beer, a joint, you're relaxing and everybody's getting naked in the car and things are starting to progress to, we're going to have sex. Things are steamy and hot and you think, oh my God, I'm really awake. I'm really alive. And then suddenly a police officer comes by, two of them, and they're knocking on the window with their flashlights, looking in the back seat. And he said, now you're awake. And I was like, yes, that's the best way to describe it. Now you're awake. You think you're awake when everything is all chill and happy and you're in your bliss. And a lot of times people confuse bliss for pleasure. And whether it's a joint or drugs or ayahuasca or whatever, you're in your pleasure and you think, oh, God, I'm really awake. And you're not awake at all. And when suddenly your mind has no ability to meet the moment, you get to meet the moment then you're awake. And it's like the the thing that we the thing that we forget that's really great about meditation is that it allows you to watch your thinking mind and see how it operates and how you operate. You know, you you get to see what what's the thing you start fantasizing about first or what do you start saying to yourself first or what little storyline do you do, do you happen to see first when you're meditating and you're like okay there's my mind is empty something jumps in there and it's what's the thing that jumps in there oh isn't that interesting and so there's a point where the journey of wakefulness allows for more joy and happiness to flow through you and not be constricted by you And that thinking mind 
constricts it. It sabotages it. It makes it seem like it's something you have to go achieve, not that that you are this thing. I got to go find happiness. Bullshit. You are happiness and your thinking mind is constricting that happiness vein that flows. It's when that guy held that gun at my stomach, you know, right away, you're like, oh my God, I'm going to die, blah, blah, blah. Your mind can't do anything. And as soon as it shut up, there I was. And there was this inner master talking to me, do this, go do that. This is fine. You're safe, blah, blah, blah. And everything unfolded just the way it was meant to unfold. And I was present, like really present through it. And that was a very, that was a great gift to get at 18. I mean, hell, I could get it at 70 or something. And, you know, I got it. I got a whole lot of years to work with that. That I was very fortunate. And fortunate that you were able to understand the gift in that and not just kind of push it under the rug right to say, oh, I don't know what that was. And then just, you know, continue to live like the way you were prior to that, that yeah, you were you really able to, to think into the sensations and what you were experiencing and trying to conceptualize, mm-hmm. you know, what was going on. And it was like that, that gateway was, had been opened and either you could have closed the door on it Yep. You were like intrigued, as you said, that like curiosity. Curious. Yeah. yeah. Right, you were and when I was younger, I used to call it nosy. <laughs> it's <laughs> <a> plain old nosy. <laughs> the nosy card. Oh, That's funny. That's funny. And so if, if we were to tie this into some of the principles that you talk about in the book, so you mentioned that one already is if people are interested in being able to hone into that inner wisdom that they're going to be able to learn that though the type of steps that they can take to do that in your book. Um, mm-hmm. But there's also a self-love component that's very strong in the book. Yes. And, and you have, is it five powerful principles are, around that that you mm-hmm. discuss in the book as well? Yeah. Thank you for bringing that up. Cause I think, there is a big difference. Now, we've been talking about this self and and the thinking mind. The thinking mind loves self-esteem and the soul loves self-love, which is vastly different. We're taught self-esteem over and over and over and over again. But the trick with self-esteem is that it's dependent on someone else. Somebody has to crown you worthy you know, self-esteem is I got a trophy, I got this, I got that. And you'll, I go way into it in, in the book. But the difference is self-love doesn't need any outside accolade, degree, any kind of notoriety of any kind. It is in and of itself love at its highest level. And when we have self-love, when we have true self-love versus self-esteem, then what happens is this part of us that has true self-love is guided by its own North Star. It's not guided by a bunch of, you know, self-esteem. It's the self-esteem is like, 
I'm finally somebody. I got that. It's ego. I'm finally somebody. I got that promotion or I'm the manager or look at me. I have this degree and this degree and this is degree. Self-esteem tries to give you value through importance in the outer world. Self-love is you being connected to your own divinity inside And the difference is more powerful. You are manipulated over here all the time with that. And over here, you're guided. And it is always to your best benefit. Now, you may be thinking to yourself that your best benefit always looks pleasurable. It always looks painless. It always looks joyful. It always is blissful. No, that guy held a gun to my stomach and walked in and robbed us. And the miracle of that opened this up. It opened that up. Without this thing over here, I wouldn't have this. It doesn't mean that when you suddenly go into yourself here, that you are, well, I would say it's less harmed. I'm very fortunate. And I don't know if that's my karma or this, but I do know that when I listen to this, there are less mistakes there is a surrender to this. And I mean, surrender means accepting what this is offering you. So um, maybe it's you catching the flu and not being able to go to an event that you wanted to go to really bad. And the universe wanting you to lie down, chill out, and be mindless for a while so that you can hear them. And later you're like, man, I really wanted to go to that conference. Surrender is, okay, I'm going to be here now in this moment with what is. Be here now in this moment with what is. And I I would love to say I'm perfect at that, but I'm not. And I have triggers for me that when I'm arguing with myself or I'm arguing with what is, I want to get to the point where I'm not arguing as fast as I can. So if there's part of my brain that says, but, then that's a trigger word for me. But, oh, 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 here comes here comes the thinking mind telling me what it wants. And I'm here. Do I want to surrender to my inner master or do I want my mind to fight all the way through it? And so resistance creates pain. Surrender creates bliss. And that's just over a period of time, but it doesn't mean everything comes in blissful. We have, our, we're still living in this realm and we're still in the human experience. And that's not always fun. But I think that for now where I am with all the work that I've been doing, you know, over over 10 years now, and yep. I continue to, the, to do the work every day that things that's come right. up up for healing so that I can continue to embody more and more light and that I believe now that if we're going to call it a challenge is that how do we stay connected? How do we embody that, which Eckhart Tolle talk, you know, talks about so amazingly in the power of now that how do you be um, in that state of being in human form all the time that is not something you have to get into when you meditate 
Is that something well, that's, you get into, that's a right? Is that you're living from that mm-hmm. place, that place of consciousness yep. all the time and with yep. every interaction you have with, it's like, look, it, it is so cool, Vicky, because it's like, it's looking through my eyes, which is what it is. It is through our five senses, that consciousness is experiencing this 3D form and that- yep. Through my eyes, things never looked so beautiful. Like that the flowers never looked so colorful, the grass, you know, so green. There are like the tiniest of like details that I noticed when I go outside that it was before I didn't even see them because you're so in the logical mind. That's right. Consciousness can't stream through you with everything. And that lately the the food that I'm eating, I'm like, what are all these flavors? Like it's everything is, it's a heightened experience through all aspects of yourself. It's like the energy that you are is just beaming out of this 3d form that inside of here, there's only a small aspect of ourselves, but the energy body that we are is like this massive huge huge yeah. and connected to everything that there is no separation between me and you between me and that tree between me and this desk there's energy vibrating out of everything and that when you understand that you're connected to all that is of course you would never want to hurt anything right you wouldn't want to hurt other people you wouldn't want to hurt nature you you there's just extreme love for everything and i and the more that you embody it, the more that you peel off the, the layers of like maybe the things that are blocking you from that realization of who you really are, that embodiment of who you are, that when you remove those, life just gets more magical, as you said, that there's a beautiful to your life that, you know, science mm-hmm. calls the flow state, but the flow state is really because they don't talk about the spiritual self in psychology is that that's just you you connected to your spiritual self yes i yes. just i'm living more and more from that time yeah and i want to say i thank you for bringing up eckhart tolle because a i love him but he describes it as very much there's your pain body mm-hmm. right And that pain body is the thing that people, the pain body is the thinking body. The surrendered body is the thing that is growing in awareness and can see the beauty of each and every single moment. And no matter what, you know how, you know how your mind has negative bias because it just does. Everybody does that. Where the soul of you has an awareness and blissful love bias just that that's just the nature of the two aspects of yourself right here and this aspect is temporary like you're going to be teresa just right now when you die that's your past life you're no longer that everything about her and her all her gifts and everything else that was the gift to the planet and here that that's gone and now this soul which always is picks another kind of fantasy like this one is you know in my fantasy i'm vicky helm and vicky helm is an author she's a writer she likes this she likes that she likes that i get to choose the game over here from that what do i like what do i want how do i want 
Well, that negative bias, we can't believe that. We can't spend our time believing this piece of it because it's the temporary aspect of us and it's often the pain body. When we get to move to here, then we are experiencing everything you were just talking about. And everybody gets the, the Eckhart Tolle's pain body. Well, that pain body is the card player. Then, you know, do I want to play my pain body's anger, fear, anxiousness? What do I want to play? We don't realize that we're holding the cards. We can fold and go, I don't want these anymore. I want these cards over here. Do I want to play my happiness, my joy, my what? What do I want to play right now? You're the you're literally not the deck of cards. You're not the cards in your hand. You're like, here I am holding the cards. I get to play which card I want to play. And that empowers you because in the empowering part of you, there is primordial confidence that shows up when you have self-love, understand that you are a soul, have a mind, and that you can play whatever card you want. This, this unending confidence comes up from that. And it's true confidence. It's not self-esteem confidence. Like I'm confident because I'm the boss and I did this and I'm important. It did blah, 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 blah. That's crap. It's This is real confidence over here. And when you tap in to this, you will have to practice it, just like Teresa said, every day of your life. Because you're either practicing this every day of your life, or you're practicing this every day of your life. And that's really the choice. Can you stop your ego in the moment when you're pissed off as hell? Can you stop your ego in the morning a moment? Or if you want to be right more than ever, or you, for me, I got to tell you, Teresa, I think this is probably the single hardest emotion that anybody goes through that triggers the thinking mind and the ego. And for me, defensiveness is the hardest to get through because you want to be right, seen, heard differently, or liked. And you don't want to be humiliated, embarrassed, seem unimportant, or whatever else your ego is telling yourself. And defensiveness is the hardest place to stop your ego. And if you can stop your ego in the middle of your defensiveness, you have hit a level of like, hi, I'm in college now. I can stop my ego right here. And I've worked hard to do that. Now, I don't bet a thousand, but I do practice just like you do every single day because you're either going to practice this or this. That's it. I love that you said that. Because the practice of that means you've decided who you want to become or what you don't want to become by making choices of about how you're going to react and literally stopping yourself in the moment, stopping your ego and saying, nope, uh, honey, I'm in charge right now, not you. And we think we are our ego, then we'll defend ourselves. We'll get mad and we'll fight and we'll say this and we'll say that and blah, blah, blah. And we'll just keep at it until we feel better or we've annihilated our partner or the person we're involved in being defensive with instead of saying, no, honey, I'm in charge. And what do I pick? I want to be curious. What do you mean when you say that? Or what would you like? Or how does, you know, that curious button for me, 
if you develop that, it slows down defensiveness. Which I think at the root of defensiveness is fear. There's some kind of yeah. fear underneath that you'd have to think about what, why would you want to go into that mode? There's something being threatened. You feel like something's yeah. being threatened. That's ego. Right? If you're whole, healed, and complete all the time, there is nothing. But it's that disconnection from that perfection, yeah. that realization of that perfection, where fear can creep in and then have us feeling, you know, jealousy and envy and, and all of this other stuff that when you know that we are all perfect and whole exactly as we are, that we don't need, we're not broken, nothing needs to change, we don't need to be more of something or less of something else. It is just perfect exactly as it is that then I think we can be just like our loving, our loving selves as much as we, as we can be with everyone and, and ourselves and everything. You know, it's, um, it is the journey to be okay with ourselves. And what that requires is unlearning everything we learned and that journey for the unlearning everything we learn just takes time and effort, awareness, mindfulness, and a willingness to practice who you want to be, letting you out, not this persona out, but letting meeting that piece of you, meeting, you know, that aspect of yourself, the the soul of you. Yeah, it's beautiful. Beautiful. Thank you so much for talking to us today about the difference between the truth of who we really are and the false self, really, that we believe that we are this, but we are really this and coming home to who we really are and that everyone's on their own journey to, yeah. you know, some may not come home. Some on a soul lover may have chosen to not awaken to who they really are in this lifetime yeah. and that we're all on our own individual paths to that awakening process but i think it is important to to highlight yes it is the false self and that there's lots of lies i'm like it's all lies 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 that have been told about like to me about who i am who i'll ever be lies yeah. about how the world functions and operates you know, the glass ceiling that I was living under for most of my life too, that doesn't even exist. There are no ceilings to our abilities, our invincibilities, um, our incredibleness, what we can achieve, what we can do. It's all full of possibilities. And if we go back to like who we were as children, that we came into this world curious, as you said, full a world full of possibilities that, you know, a spoon could be a drum, a drumstick and a bowl. It could be something else, right? And we could be anything that we, we wanted to be before the world told us no, that because right. of the color of your skin, because of the neighborhood you're brought up in, and because of the clothes you wear, because of the the community or, or religion, you're a part of lots of lies, lots yeah. of lies that just limit who, who we, who we are. And so mm -hmm. it's so, thank you so much for really highlighting, you know, the, the difference and, and the benefits of when we 
are able to connect to that inner wisdom, our inner being, that higher intelligence, what kind of life is available for us to experience and to live Thank in, you. This, in, in this lifetime, this one lifetime that we have. Thank you. Thank you Thank for you. that. Yeah, I love your work as well. I love that you have a platform for people to come and sit down and have intentional conversations. Thank you. Thank you. Now, Vicki, people want to learn more about you and your work and grab hold of your many, many beautiful 43 books. Incredible. Uh, how can they do that? Uh, VickiHelm.com. B-I-C-K-I-E, Vicki, Helm, H-E-L-M.com. Thank you. So I want thank to you. thank you so much again for being on the show, sharing your wisdom with us, your beautiful light and love with us and all of the work that you're doing. Thank you so much, Vicki. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'd like to leave you with the thought for the day. The mission of the Happy Hour Show is to motivate and inspire you to want to connect with and nurture the happiness within you. I'm here to get you to reflect on what your present definition of happiness is and whether you believe it's an inside job. We are conditioned to believe that happiness exists outside of ourselves in our possessions, our positions, our titles, degrees, relationships, and experiences. However, when you realize that happiness is your essential nature, it's who you really are, then you can give up the search for happiness outside of yourself. You now know that you don't need to achieve, earn, find, wait for, purchase, or pursue anything to be happy. Yes, you might feel temporary pleasure when you get that promotion at work, you find that new love relationship, you go on that vacation, you get that designer purse. But you'll realize that once that feeling of pleasure wears off, you're left feeling unhappy and looking for the next best thing to make you happy again. That's because those are examples are talking about pleasure and not happiness. True inner happiness is unwavering and is always there for you to tap into. And if you're not feeling happy, there could be blocks that are preventing you from feeling the happiness at your core. What are the blocks and how can you remove them, you ask? Well, that's what my show is all about. With my guests, we look at the blocks while also emphasizing the importance of making time to connect with and nurturing the happiness within you. My show is very much about giving you the steps you can take to nurture all aspects of yourself, your physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual self, so that we can realign ourselves with the wholeness, perfection, and greatness that we are to live the happy life we came here to live. I invite you to check out my services on my website at teresagreco.ca for more information about my coaching, my workshops, and my vote and my motivational speaking opportunities. You can connect with me on my Instagram page at teresagreco underscore steps to happiness or on my Facebook page steps to true happiness with Teresa Greco. Thank you again for joining me on the happy hour with Teresa Greco. Keep smiling and be happy.